Well, hello and welcome to Concentric Circles, the show about being a 21st century creative. My name is Jim Tramontana, and I am joined today by the illustrious Vinny Fiorello, Obi Fernandez, and John O'Diener. How are you, fellas? Chillin. We are good. I, I said we are good. I'm answering on everyone's behalf. <laughs> Thank you, Jono. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know how I feel. Yeah, I think we're all doing good. Obi, do you have say you were about to say something and John will cut you off so rudely I don't know no 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 no. no. Wow. I think I was just I think I was just taking a deep, a deep breath but what I will say is that I'm very distracted I'm uh I, I have tacos on my brain oh, um I, I texted Vinny earlier about tacos and I, I was going to get tacos oh did you do it oh yeah of oh, so I'm, yeah I'm super distracted super 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 distracted it all started this morning because my wife was like, oh, it'd be so great if we could go get like good breakfast burritos. And then I didn't want to go to like, you know, any spot to get, I wanted to like go to like a real spot and get a breakfast burrito, but yeah, 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 yeah. it wasn't happening for me today. So it's been on the brain. Mexico, Mexican food on the brain is a good thing, my friend. Love it. Love it so much. It's so the best. Vinny, you've had tacos and you've had New York style bagels. What else has been in the repertoire? I, I went to a museum today. They had a, uh, Alice through the Looking Glass exhibit. Cool. So me and my wife and daughter, uh, it's our first outing during COVID, full masks and amongst uh, the the COVID crisis people that are out there. And uh, it was weird. Yeah, I'll be I'll be the first to say that it was weird. But n not being out was weird. But being out of my bubble was weird. I spent the last three weeks pretty much yeah. at home, except for going to get a bagel or some bagels and I'd come home or go out and take the dog out, but that's still in my bubble. It's in my neighborhood and, and whatever it is. Right. So it was my first time out. And, uh, I, you know, when you're working as much as I have been lately, it feels weird not to work. So, uh, that's where I'm sort of at with it, but let me go into why I've been working so much. We, uh, collectively uh, are launching a Kickstarter for the inevitable. So it's been uh, down to the wire and uh, a lot of 11th hour things that are happening, a lot of content that needs to be created and a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, then have that on top of uh, paper and plastic and a dad stuff and a husband stuff and just general, I want to do art and I want to do other things. So uh, it's been uh, stressful. Uh, good stress and bad stress and I needed to step out of my bubble today. It felt weird not to work but it was good. Okay. Hearkening yeah, totally. back last, ep last week's episode about balance you took a little time for yourself to kind of just decompress. You know sometimes you have to do that man and, and I, I especially now I, I was looking at you know my schedule which is uh, some records that I'm releasing for Lost Music, which is a pop punk, a pop punk label that I do, and Paper and Plastic, and uh, The Inevitables uh, that's coming down the pipe. There's a lot of stuff going on, man. So I, I felt like there was a thousand pound weight on me. Now I I'm, I'm have to kind of chill for a moment and, and uh, know the weight's gonna go back on, but I needed a moment of, of calm before the storm, so to speak metaphorically yeah. it's also nice when that's like a nice little recharge you know like i'll in the last two weeks specifically too so in addition to inevitable stuff i've been demoing for a new record for one of the bands i'm in and the day the kickstarter launches is also the day we start recording for two weeks 
but we've also been preparing because of the COVID stuff. So there's people from out of state and we're, I'm not going to say who it is yet because it's not announced, but we're recording at my brother's place. But uh, my Mm. brother has a child and a wife and it's not just like, hey, let's all run around and cough on each other. Like there's precautions we all took. We all got COVID tests. So I had to put the swab up my nose and do the whole thing. Mm. And keep in mind, like I've been so <laughs> oh no not that one <laughs> i know i'm just i'm just trying to start controversy oh boy <laughs> uh, i'm blushing i have some pi- <laughs> i have some pigment now what? i also have so i haven't been like outside at all like i'll go to the grocery store or whatever and i walked outside and my thigh blinded me because <laughs> like the sun hit it just enough and i was like i'm not just translucent anymore i'm reflective that's how pale i am yeah. so <laughs> So I'm, tr- I'm trying to slowly like learn. I could, I have, I was going to get a bike. I just never got a bike. I don't go for walks. I just live in my, like my basement dungeon where I do music stuff or my office where I'm writing all day now. It's bonkers. Uh, yeah. As a Brown man, I don't think I ever have to like worry about that. You know, <laughs> I think I'm good. John, I don't know how you get stuff done, man. Being that like we're on the phone all day long together. I mean, come on. It's also, I mean, <laughs> That's like deep breathing into the phone. That's not actual work. <laughs> That's how we fall asleep. <laughs> I'll be like, Ashley, be quiet for a second. OB. <laughs> OB. I know my wife's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> it's Jake from State Farm. <laughs> exactly. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? <laughs> not a black shirt. There has, there has been so much, there has been so much like going on. And it's true. We do, we do have to kind of find that like those happy places. For me lately, the, uh, the happy places have been like my grill and the beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, Some of them, of course, it's, that's what it should be, right? I know. It's just like your brain has to shut off. You, you need that. You need that recharge, you know? How, how far are you from the beach? Like how long does it take you to get to the water? Oh, uh, man. So we used to live like eight minutes from the beach, which was super awesome. But now we live like 20 minutes from the beach, which in New Jersey time is nothing. So I'm like quintessential Central Jersey town, you know? So. next to Snooky, that's cool, man. <laughs> definitely, definitely next to Snooky. Yep, actually had coffee with Jay Wow the other day. It was awesome. <laughs> hey, you know, there's there's a certain amount of people that are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know it's like it's like I feel as it's coming out of my mouth, I feel terrible that I know the names. I'm like, oh, I feel a little dirty. I well, Jay Wow is my nickname, so <laughs> that's where it all comes from. Uh, so. This is a nice little transition and I'll kick it to Jim in a second. But one thing that I've been doing that's been kind of keeping my sanity through all this, uh, we have a comics Twitter group uh, with a bunch of people that I literally haven't known in my whole life. And then I knew my friend Liana and my friend Matt, who I did a comic with. Uh, And then from that, we made a bunch of awesome friends. So with that said, Liana is here today and Jim... I'll throw it at you. Tell you all about it. Please welcome to the show, Liana Kangas. She's a freelance comic artist and a self-proclaimed edgelord dog mom (laughs) in both digital and traditional formats. She is best known for her work on She Said Destroy from Vault Comics and has worked with publishers such as TKO, Image, and Black Mask. Now we are excited to announce she is the artist of The Inevitables. So please welcome Liana to the inner circle and I'll see you guys on the other side. 
Yeah. Hey, hey. hey I, I don't know. Can you give us that dab one more time? I'm not sure everybody got. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so great to have you on here. It's been uh, it's been really funny. We've been just talking about it, and um, as we've been preparing for like multiple guests and who's going to be coming on, and obviously, we've been living in uh, the secret world of the inevitables that now doesn't have to be such a secret. Um, so it's really cool that we actually get to talk about this project openly, and that you're bringing your vibe and you're here with us. And, and so, Vinny, what are we talking about today with our with our new bud here? We're talking about finding your voice, right? So as creatives. Uh, you're taking in, and not even just creatives, everybody in this day and age, you're taking in all this information and, you know, you're throwing away and kind of putting aside things that uh, don't really pertain to you or you don't like feel for, and you're boiling down all the stuff that you like into this like concentrate, and then you put it through your filter and it comes out. And for some people, that's news, and for some people, that's art and drawings, for some people, that's music. You know, and I'm not talking about like the sum of its parts, right? I'm talking about taking in an influence and putting it through your own filter and having something come out on the other side that's all your own, right? Mm -hmm. And mind you, it could be art, but also it could be that, that headspace of the message. You know, you're taking in what your parents when you were growing up said and your favorite grandma sat you down and said these like really cool things and the books that you read and the poetry that you wrote everything under the sun and you come out and you find your voice and you have your own message you have your own style and tonight man i i think it's perfect the guest is is awesome uh and uh it's about finding your voice man and it's important more now than it's ever been it's the moment is now for you to to locate that voice and and amplify the message that you feel passionate about so everybody we're going to talk about find your voice man so yeah man so i i this is a very near and dear topic for me and so before i talk about it though <clears throat> i think that there's there's a lot of like philosophy that comes with like kind of finding your own voice i think there's a lot of like time that gets put put into it and i think that like for every artist like for me, for example, if you if I if I go back and I played you like Westbound Train's first record, I hate everything about that record, right? The only good thing about that record is the fact that I learned how to make a record. That's that's the the best part about it. And I got to make it with cool people, but whatever. I personally as an artist hate that record. Hate the songs, hate the way I sound. But that was the beginning of a journey. And and I accidentally, I think, stumbled into finding like my own literal voice as like the singer of a band, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're like a kid and like you're like jamming in the garage, you're jamming in the basement, like everybody tries to like sing like Kurt Cobain for a second or whatever. And then like, <laughs> you're like, this hurts. I can't, I can't do this. Uh, my voice is not made for this. But then I think like, as you kind of start like trying new things. And to me, it was always about like listening to a lot of records and taking in the nuances. I accidentally kind of started paying attention to like all these people that I loved, like their little nuances, like, you know, Curtis Mayfield's falsetto, you know, Bob Marley's vibrato, you know, Sam Cooke's runs. Why were Sam Cooke's runs different than when I listened to an Otis Redding record? You know what I mean? Anyway, so my point is, is that I think we stumble into these things by accident. Liana, as an artist, as someone who's like drawing things all the time, doing comics, how does that journey actually start for you? Because your style really is distinguished, hence why you're on, on Team Inevitables. <laughs> um, how did that journey actually start for you? Um, so that, because your work now is so recognizable. 
Uh, thank you, and thanks for having me on. This is really exciting, and you all are obviously great, and we've talked before, but it's really cool to be on the podcast. Um, I have gone through a weird transition of what my art was originally to what it is now in that I was not in comics at all. And eventually, at some point, I completely diverted my view of, uh, I have a dog by my feet. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, he was <laughs> like, so I'm good. here for this conversation. I have arrived. Um, so I originally wanted to be in fine art and sort of like the lowbrow fine art that's found in Florida and things like that. Um, and at one point, I even wanted to do like fine portraiture, which is totally different than all of that. Um, so I had found that most of the media that I was ingesting was comics in my early teens and then continued into my late 20s. And I think because that was the media that I was consuming, it just eventually made me completely, I guess, maybe fall in and eventually give up and try it. Um, and so I think it, it, and it's shaped by the people who stories I really enjoy reading as well. So uh, I would be sort of like you were saying, I would try different things from different artists that I enjoyed, weird things that they did in their work, or maybe a certain technique that I would try to emulate or things like that. And eventually, I suppose it just made it to here, which now that you say that to me is kind of surprising because I'm still wondering if I have a look yet, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's normal for every creative to constantly be reconsidering uh, their creativity or like what they're inputting into it and how it defines them as a person and their actual work. Uh, I think an interesting thing, and you know, it goes with being a fan of art or you know, entertainment or whatever, uh, by just simply ingesting so many different things, it starts just going through the filter of your brain. And if you're able to harness that and shoot it out, then, you know, that is potentially your thing. But then there's a difference where like Liana, for example, your art, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of artists, you, you're a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're doing things on purpose. Like, uh, like sometimes you could be like, Oh, just like, whatever happens happens like if i'm writing a song i'll naturally like sing something and those lyrics will just kind of blurt out and then it becomes a thing uh but there are people that go to school for art there are people that are refining this thing and that's how you know with guidance from someone else is how they end up getting on the right track whereas someone like me is kind of like i feel like i just fell down a staircase for the last 20 years and then i was like yeah i think i got a thing whatever uh so it kind of gets to the point where you know, like all of us, whether we've been in bands, whether we're doing art, whatever, um, you know, I imagine there's a bit of imposter syndrome for all of us. But then the other part of it is bypassing that and being confident in your work. So maybe that's another thing. Like, Liana, is there a, a, a time you've like, I imagine, you know, have felt imposter syndrome, but more so like, do I fit this thing that I signed up for? Do I uh, have my own style? And what, why did they pick me for this kind of thing? Yeah, uh, including this project. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I actually felt that this project was like perfectly fit for me, which usually I'm not as aggressively uh, confident in things like that. But mm. 
there's things that align, I, I suppose, depending on what projects work, where things are maybe a challenge or um, things feel like, you know, the collaborators are wonderful and there are people that you enjoy as humans that seem to all line up for me. And usually one of those aspects is why I will feel that part of imposter syndrome or if, if is, is my work good enough or is it on the par with what I think that they're expecting or things like that. And of course, as an artist and maybe just myself in general, uh, imposter syndrome is huge, especially starting out. And since I'm still so new to comics, I think only in the last couple of years, I really, really, really pursued it, is that you're trying to juggle while trying to sell your art that you would do as a passion as a monetized thing and so you have to represent yourself like almost sort of like a retailer like you're not selling your own work you're selling this thing because it's your job and you're good and you have the skills to do it and you put the work in and you know you put the work in and i think that's why i feel so confident because i had somebody earlier on in my career which made me feel a lot better going into comics say you have to have one of three things you have to be really 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 good like on a level that is unreal you know like kim jong e uh i think his name is where he just like draws from memory doesn't need reference you know has these incredible drawings or you have to be really incredibly likable and the third one was you have to deliver things on time and so i would like to think that i at least have two of them and i'm striving for the third one and I always want to make sure that I am developing my skills. And I think that's why the imposter syndrome sort of fades away as the more you work towards your skill and your craft, even though you're putting out work that represents you, which is scary, but that will all fade away when you have the support from friends and the uplifting from other people and the drive to want to be better. I have a few things actually, because I've been like kind of sitting on like some like questions and like headspace, right? And uh, first, uh, when I was I was reading, you know, bio and some info, and you're uh, an ex Floridian. You grew up in Florida, right? And I yes. always think that, <laughs> you know what? I always think that Florida breed when you're creative, Florida breeds like this almost like indestructible creative because you have to. The, the resources aren't there and you have to like really want it and you really have to, and I hate the word, but I will use it anyway. You have to grind for it, you know, and you have to like put in the time and put in the energy, you know, band wise, I know from experience, there, there weren't bands coming down to Florida to tour. So you had to create a scene and create a vibe that was all Florida, right? And artists, are, art is very similar in that. And as I've gotten older and, and, and got more interested in uh, art and design, right? There's a specific Florida thing, and you mentioned it kind of earlier, where it's that sort of low art, but there's a little bit of a different twist to it than let's say in uh, you know, Los Angeles or Chicago or New York or even Nashville, there's like a certain thing that they have there. So uh, I, I find it interesting and I go, yeah, she had a fight for her voice, man. She's from Florida. It's tough. It's tough to be a creative, right? So that's number one, and and uh, right on, right? But yeah. I 
as I was looking at references and kind of get my head around it, there was, uh, you had an interview with Comics Bookcase, and uh, we did say it was Jared, right, that, that did the interview. And his question, one aspect of your art that I really like is how distinguishable it is. You can tell it's your page at a glance because it's so different. Uh, and then he goes on to ask about references and, and the people that you like. But that first part to me speaks volumes about anyone. When someone goes, yeah, it's, you know, when I look at it, I go, this, this is who it is. It's right away. It's the same that Sam Cooke of what Obi was talking about where you go, oh, or Bob Marley's sort of vibe that he does with his voice. As soon as you hear it, you go, that's the person or that's the influence of the person, right? And mm -hmm. I find that when someone says that to you and knowing your background, knowing from Florida and you, you know, you were grinding on it, like, how does that make you feel? Like, does that make you feel like I'm getting to the point where people, I'm, it's recognizable, my style and, you know, and to be honest with you, it's that just by even doing the art, there's a certain thing that you're trying to convey that when people pick up that it's you, then there's a, they conjure something in their mind already knowing your background, knowing previous projects, right? So what when you have that happen and someone says that to you, like, do you feel that you're getting to that point of finding your voice and really have your own style and have that thing? Or do you think that there's time to go more and, and, and to refine it and to go into another phase of, of what your style is and, and that vibe? So that's where I'm sort of at with it, right? Like, do you think that you're at that point or do you think that there's still a lot more work or a little bit more work to get there? Well, coming from you, that definitely means that I'm retiring right now and my career is done and I've done what I need to do. <laughs> right? um, I know I think that's great. And if anything, that inspires me to like work harder, especially hearing that from you guys in terms of, oh, I didn't realize my style was recognizable. That's great. Or like what Jared had said, um, you know, you don't really, maybe it's the imposter syndrome talking, or maybe it's the grind where I'm like, okay, on to the next thing. It, I don't take any time to, like, it's a bad quality, but I don't take time to celebrate small victories. It's things like that, that I am learning that I need to resonate with, that somebody says, oh yeah, I totally recognize yourself. I could recognize, you know, a picture that she's drawn. That's great for me because one person means there could be other people. So I'm, you know, something like that, not even really honing into the current style I have now, but just like working harder at just doing the work and being consistent with that being my goal of, you know, getting to where I want to be skill wise or like learning that next new thing that I'm like, oh, I really love that. So I want to learn how to do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like want to learn how to do like Sydney level background sci-fi to be able to create like, you know, a Blade Runner in my head or something like that. Just like small steps that obviously on a larger scale while you're working and doing things for, you know, to put food on the table or whatever doing that for yourself too. Cause like, why did you originally get to this anyway? And why did I go through all of that, you know, back then to get to here? So yeah. uh, if almost like being kind to myself and my future self to just continue working hard on it. Yeah, I, th I think there's a few things like that you, as you guys are talking that I, I got really stoked on. I, so 
the small victories thing, right? Not taking the time to celebrate the small victories. I'm so with you on that. I feel like if I stop to celebrate the littlest thing, like I've lost time, I've lost an opportunity, I've lost a moment. Or on the flip side of that, I think, oh man, you're being too cocky, just keep going, right? You're not there yet. There's always that like that fight. But I think what we're touching on is the idea of like philosophy. And I think for a lot of creative people, it takes a while for your philosophy to catch up to like what you're actually doing, right? So you're on the go, you're producing, drawing, writing, singing, whatever it might be. And then you start to figure out how to do it a little bit, right? And then you're like, you almost don't like give yourself the time to like figure out that you've, you know, you, you've stumbled onto a couple things, you know? And then before you know it, you're like, oh, I'm actually getting better at this, but you're still not recognizing that. But all the while, like you mentioned it, like you've mentioned like five different things. You've mentioned like the idea of like, well, I'm actually like a retailer. I'm not, it's not, I'm actually pushing this whole other thing. You know, Vinny touched on it, like your surroundings, like where you're coming from, like it becomes your identity. It becomes this, like this thing that like, we never ever like feel confident enough to tell people, you know? And I remember even for me, like as a singer, even now, like I know, I feel confident and this is gonna sound hella cocky, but people who know me know where I'm coming from. I'm super confident in the fact that like, you can put me up against anybody. I'm not saying that I'm better than that person, but you can put me up against any human being and I will sound like me and I will be distinguishable. And that person probably sounds like 50 other people, but you're not gonna find another dude that sounds like me, right? So I've got to figure out how to use that to like my advantage. But it took me a long time to be confident enough to actually like say that, right? That actually pushes me to other projects into a project like this, where like, why is a dude like me working on a comic? You know what I mean? Like, why is a dude like me writing ska punk songs or whatever the case is, you know? Um, but I love everything that you're saying because what you've done is you've actually put in so much work, you've developed a philosophy, and now you're actually like building this path, this other like, you know, this lane that other creatives can look at and go, wait, maybe I can do that too. Oh, like, oh, these guys struggle with admitting those things? Like, I struggle with admitting that. Like, is that the hump that I need to kind of get over? So I'm just stoked. I, I'm more of like giving a praise than like asking a question in the terms of like this round table thing that like we can talk about those things because I think those are the things that keep artists and other creative people down. They don't let them take steps forward. They're like, well, I have to sound like that guy or I have to do this like that person. Like, no, dude, like you have to move. Like your philosophy will catch up to you if you're paying attention to it. But the things that we have to be like really honest about is that philosophy is being built. It's not just happenstance. You know what I mean? And I feel like uh, having, it's more important to be you than it is to be the best. And yeah. because, so <clears throat> I, I use this example all the time. Um, so in the Flint music scene, there are like the punk rock musicians. And then there are like some of the best like church gospel drummers and other musicians I've ever met in my life. But in my personal opinion, there is a level of being too good at something to where it's not even enjoyable. Like, so I always make the joke of like, if you're way too good at like guitar, you just play weather channel music, like, and it's always like this goofy thing, you know? Uh, but you know, that comes back to art or singing. I, I'm not a great singer, but I sound like me when I sing, you know what I mean? I think authenticity is the largest part of being a creator yeah. that is often passed by. Cause most people go into it being like, Oh, I have to be this. I have to be this. I have to like 
be this house level for like in comics specifically like oh I have to draw like Marvel house style 1990 whatever or like uh, you know for musicians I have to sound like this whatever is on American Idol blah 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 or like to get into you know to get a signed label or you know a signed record or anything and what's interesting and what I have seen personally and obviously being a huge music lover collecting records and you know, having music be a big part of comics for me and seeing and meeting Jono was that there's this level of authenticity that is like you being yourself, uh, you know, unabashed, no sorries given about how ridiculous you're going to put out whatever you're going to put out, right? And I think that applies to what you're working on as well. It being, yeah, you've never done a comic before, but that shows that you have this storytelling aspect that you have creatively already and it needs to get out and it accompanies the other creative things that you do. And so that's what's great about creating in general is that you, it doesn't matter what it is, if you're being you, it turns out great. And I don't think a lot of you know creators starting off in you know music industry or comics industry really ever talk about that because that's how you're successful. That's how you're known as. Yeah, yeah, and you've got to be brave enough to do it, right? You've got to be brave enough to actually take that step, for sure. What do you got, Vinny? You know what? As, a, as I was sitting there and kind of listened to it, and I, I think that, you know, style sometimes, uh, no matter what it is, uh, music and, and art, you know, it is a filter, right? Uh, you know, a brain to hand, whatever that is, right? But inside that brain, there's a whole nother set of, you know, what you think about a subject, you know, political view, whatever it is, right? That's making you, you, right? And I could, I vibe on that, right? And I, I know what you're saying, but, you know, when I was sitting here and listening to it, I thought to myself, okay, uh, does anyone ever know, like, where it's a specific thing, like, here's ska punk, and it's, uh, that genre is so uh, specific, really, like, related to Real Big Fish or, or whoever, right? Boston. But I was sitting here and I was kind of like thinking to myself and in the 90s there was a comic called Milk and Cheese and it was Evan Dorkin was the, the illustrator. And his style was so specific that if I saw something across the record store, just tiny, uh, you know, on a CD cover or in a magazine or a poster, I could call it and go there's Evan Dorkin and it was so closely related to ska and ska punk that like he was the ska punk guy that did you know uh, 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 comics as well and he did milk and cheese and was so closely related to this other genre that was outside of his thing that I went yeah that's cool but I'm thinking to myself right now like you know can you align yourself with other things and it'd still be finding your voice. And you could still ride in the car, right? And go, dude, we're riding the car together, but it's still me, but dude, we're, we're, we're riding the car. Can that happen? You still, you, are you still you, you, if you're riding the car with like this other bigger idea or bigger thing or genre or whatever? So, yeah. The reason why I was like immediately like, oh my gosh, yes, Evan Dorkin. I mean, one of the biggest huge vinyl toy collection things is milk and cheese from you know back then and he was just creating this comic that he was like huh this is hilarious great it's amazing you know exactly what it is it's resonated all the way up into the 2020 right like it's 
crazy. And his vinyl toys based off of, you know, these characters in this comic, you know, I would assume they are huge collector items for the original ones, but, you know, it just shows that, you know, there is a market for other things from these creators. Like, I can't get enough of these songs and I need something to accompany these songs, so I need something else, right? Or I love this comic book so much. That's why I always create playlists for all of my work because that's what I'm doing. Like, I am so hyper-focusing on what I need it to look like when you're reading it, but you can't just read something, or in my mind, I don't. you can't just read something without something to listen to, right? There's a movie soundtrack or whatever. So, uh, yeah, sorry, I got really excited about that because, yeah, the car analogy <laughs> is amazing. I, that, that's how I feel, though, like even in, on this project, you know what I mean? And like when I think about, and it's one of my favorite things about getting to do so much with Vinny because it's like whenever we start talking about X, I know that it's not just X, right? I know that like somewhere along the line, it's going to turn into like, it's going to spawn off into like five other things. And then we're going to start like retrofitting things together. And just like, again, just like this, the inevitables, it was like, Hey, here's this idea for this story. And it's like, Oh, well, like, well, what if this happened in the story? And then it was like, dude, I've got these lyrics that would be great. Let's, let's make a soundtrack. And then, you know, it's like, okay, now I'm getting your Vinny's lyrics. Right. I have a certain way that I write and I'm just like, oh, man, like he's been writing music a certain way for the past like 27 years now. You know what I mean? But like I'm in the car going, hey, there's things that I'm all these new experiences. But I do still feel I feel like I still have my voice. I feel like it's still me. I, I don't feel like I've like, you know, compromised something artistically or, or like authenticity wise. So it's yeah. very possible, Vinny. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, that's how I feel anyway, right? Because I've aligned myself with certain artists and certain ideas, certain toy collectors and, and other things. I mean, Funko, just for instance, right? It's like, to some toy collectors, Funko's a dirty word, right? Like, oh, this is a mass manufactured, blah, blah, blahs. Uh, but for me, Mike Becker, who started the company and was the founder, he took me in and mentored me about manufacturing toys and he did stuff for less than Jake. He did my first monkey versus robot and later Wonderland toy stuff, right? Uh, and I aligned myself so hard with him as a person and I rode in his car, right? But I still think that I found my voice as a creator of those lines, right? And uh, side note though, I want to go back to Evan Dorkin real quick. <laughs> Evan Dorkin, two, two things that will always stay with me uh, he had this comic strip just was in the back of one of the uh, the like a sidebar to the comic and, uh, in milk and cheese and it was hey these are the things my favorite things I love right and one was Pez and then the other one uh, was capsule toys like the 25 cent capsule toy machine and because of that I started to collect Pez and I started to go every time I see a capsule toy machine now I'm like 25 cents and it, it, <laughs> way back when, you know, decades ago. And it's because of Evan Dorkin. It's so, you know, burned in my brain that strip that he did of the nine things or whatever it was that he loved. And two, I wound up doing, you know, like and Pez collecting and, and uh, the weird obsession about the, the, the machine, the 25 cent machine. So it's uh, awesome. Yeah, it, it's weird. But uh, the inevitable thing, though, just real quick, it, it really taught me to share space, right? But also, 
have the ability to think I'm still, I still have my voice, right? doesn't matter that I'm not doing the art or I'm not like hands-on in a conversation about, you know, hey, Obi and Alex, I know you guys are talking about like parts and music. Let me in. I want to be in. Like, it's cool, right? Let them drive because I feel that no matter what, I have my voice, right? And I think I train myself to do that. And through the years, I've given myself praise enough. Yes, like you've done some, some things successful and I felt good. So I don't have to touch everything. I don't have to like try to jam everything through my filter to feel that my voice is being heard. So one thing I really liked too was that uh, so Vinny initially hit me up and then it was me talking to Vinny and Obi and then it was here's a concept here is what we want you to do with it and it was like a loose enough concept where you know going to an early episode when we're talking about trust uh, they trusted me to write something so then I would be like here's what I have and they would come back with well here's some edits whatever. And then it got to the point where we started building this collaborative world. And it was a lot more than just the Jono show or the, the Vinny show or the Obi show. And then when we started getting to bring other people in. So, Liana, when I was pitching you and everything, I remember being like, this, this is almost exactly the vibe that you were talking about in every aspect. But it's also one of my friends who I had like, that was like number one in my Rolodex. So it wasn't mm-hmm. by any means like a let me do some research to find someone that's kind of like it. It was just like, no, it's just, it's there. That's it. And, and it was this like hilarious, like everyone unanimously agreed. Uh, but the cool thing is getting to see what you do with everything, you know, because like along the way, it's the same as like, I have like Vinny having ideas for lyrics. The finished song is going to sound so much different. I don't even like Vinny. I genuinely don't even know if you like picture melodies and stuff or if it's just, you know, like, Some, how does that work on your end? You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I do, and it's loose, but it's, I like to have what I do on a creative level push through to somebody else, right? And then I can edit from there and kind of go, I was imagining X, Y, Z. And trust me, like, that happens a lot. And, you know, for the Inevitables thing, uh, with Obi and Alex, we... It was great to work remotely, but it was great to sit in the same room in Orlando uh, for a couple days and really grind through the songs and go, hey, this is really not working and it was what it's not what I imagined, but maybe we try this. And that's where I think we all shined at that moment. And not only that, I think that everyone kind of worked well together. You know, it's something that, you know, I could step away from a computer or my phone and go, well, that was bullshit. But <laughs> when you're face to face and working, it's different because you know when the vibe changes, you know when everything else changes. So I think that the comfort level of what you're doing and being able to work, you know, and collaborate with other people, I think, you know, playing nice is super important and you'll be able to take things away from that, right? Further strengthening your voice, further strengthening that foundation, right? So, uh, you know, that, that it's the comfort level in what you do that makes your voice amplified, louder to me, and stronger to me. It's If you were trying to force it, it's not loud, or it's too much, or it's too weird, or, you know, aggro, or whatever. If you have that moment where it's that comfort, that, that strength, and that sometimes silence, 
that's a thing that amplifies the vibe, at least to me. Yeah, uh, quick story, and I know we're going to jump into some some fun stuff, but when uh, so with Westbound, we we got like really nerdy about Jamaican music. Like wow. we got like so insanely nerdy about all of it and just the nuances and and whatever. But so one of the greatest things was we we got to play shows with the Scatolites, and the Scatolites are like the Jamaican band, and 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 that band was made up of like you know, pro musicians who were working at the hotels in Jamaica, you know, in like the late 50s, early 60s. And and so there's a particular drum groove that comes with playing like that kind of ska and there's something called Buru. And so we had a lesson with, um, so everybody, can you hear me? Everybody's smiling because, did I, did, is my breath smell bad? Is that what it is? <laughs> We're smiling at you. We're talking. Okay. It's just Jono had a different kind of smile. So yeah, I, see, I, 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 th I thought you were ripping on. Uh, I, I did posted that one drum video and I was like, does this pass your uh, your reggae meter? And oh, you're no, like, see, no, I no, mean, no, it's no, traditional. No. <laughs> that's, that, that's why I was smiling. Just this ripping is what on I mean. You. Our, love, our love is secure, man. I'm not, I'm not ripping on <laughs> you. I'm not ripping on your playing. Come on, buddy. But anyway. No, so there's a particular stylistic thing. There's something called a buru, right? And I'm not going to go into what a buru is. But anyway, as he was like talking to us about it and he was like started like bringing and he's like, well, it's kind of like a little bit of a rumba and it's a little bit of like this jazz thing. And he's like, but at the end of the day, you just got to fix it for yourself. And it was like this piece of advice that I carried into like everything. He's like, so here's like the vibe. Here's the style. Here's the actual technical part of it as well. But at the end of the day, like you need to fix it for yourself. And I was like, oh man, like that's brilliant. I, I need to fix everything for myself. You know what I mean? Like anything that I learn, anything that I do, you know, and in terms of like this, this concept of finding our own voices and being brave as creatives, if you don't ever take the step to do it the way that you do it, to authentically be yourself in it, then I think that's, that's when we lose, we lose the battle. So. Damn. Bam. Let's, let's wrap it there, man. I <laughs> Let's uh, let's do some fun stuff, and then All I'll right. go I'll go get a breath mint because uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I like getting to do this after this amazing, like, kind, profound thing you just said. <laughs> so you know, to just touch on what he said, uh, we're gonna do a segment called "Shitty Superheroes." <laughs> 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 What's up? I'm Jono, and I'm reading the room. Uh, so, Liana, do you have a paper and? a writing writing device utensil that's the word i'm looking for okay so we have three things and we're gonna give you a minute for each one um also i didn't tell anyone else what i came up with because it was during the show and it's super serious similar to you know the groove that uh obi learned um <laughs> so so the first one uh let me get my my timer because that's everyone's favorite part of this all right. So are you ready, Liana, for a challenge? All right. You have one minute to draw a superhero named Natman. Natman? Natman. G-N-A-T-M-A-N. Oh, yeah. Wait, not N-A-T? G-N-A-T-M-A-N. So it's not like a dude who's just like... Five, four. I already started. You're too late. All right. Here we go. She ain't waiting for you, bro. <laughs> You're talking about Natty Ice, and I had to pause. 
That's what I thought. I thought you meant like, you know. That's what I thought. I don't know. Like natural light guy. Like, yeah. like bro, burnout. Like, I like Florida vibes. Like, I, I, nice. I love the idea of being like natural light guy. You're like, oh, like the sun. You're like, no, like a light beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get you messed up, but I'm really refreshing. That's quick. That's quick. Oh, dang. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I thought you were going to give me something really hard. I mean, Clever. you could have gone a little bit more wait, detail. Wait, wait. I, I still have time, right? Clever. Yeah, Clever. you have 20 seconds. All right. Also, you see, you like listen to stuff. Like, what would you be listening to if you had to draw Nat Man? Nat Man? Uh, I'd probably go for some... Uh, I'm really into... Mike got me into Crack Cloud. I feel like that would be some good tune <laughs> for Nat Man. Got it? All right. Timer. There you go. There you go. Super buff arms. That's awesome. All right. If you were drawing that man, what would you what would you be listening to? Because I know as soon as you were like, what would you listen to? In my brain, I went Pantera, Cowboys from Hell. Like that. Oh, Pantera! I was gonna say the Locust. Locust is great. All right. I I I would just say the Swellers. (laughs) Okay. Dang it. (laughs) All right. So the next one. Biclops. Biclops. Five, four, three, Wait, spell two. B i c l o p s. Okay. Not Cyclops. Biclops. I feel like Jono took this really seriously. Yeah, he did. I have one idea, but I can't draw it in one. <laughs> I would be like Taco Man. Like, <laughs> so I would have failed so hard at this game, Jono. Uh, we were in Kerrang as superheroes, like. It was like eight years ago or something, and we all had to come up with a superhero, and mine was Biclops. And it was just a guy that wears glasses. <laughs> and if you think about it, it's like, because Cyclops is just one eye guy, so then Biclops is two eye guy. <laughs> oh, damn. All right, you got 15 seconds. No! <laughs> what are you listening to? What's the song? What's the soundtrack? Uh, Biclops? Maybe some Ting Tings. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ting Tings. I, like I, I like the Ting Tings. The Streets, original pirate material. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was dope, Vinny. That was dope. Oh, damn. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like squinting and I'm like, if, if I don't focus, it could be a thing. It's definitely a one eyeball. <laughs> definitely, yeah, there's one eye there. But it's two, but like two people. faces, two yeah. people, two heads. Oh, that's a that's cool. That's creative. That's a cool I concept. Was definitely like, oh, I could draw three people making out in one body. But then I was like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like how many eyes? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I was like, so many eyes. There it is. Like there it is. <laughs> it's just a normal guy. It's like, hey, I'm Steve. I'm by. You're like, oh, that's the whole thing. <laughs> All right, so last one. Mm-hmm. LaCroix Boy. Five, oh. four, three, two, go. LaCroix Boy. <laughs> oh, man. It could just be someone at a uh, country club. <laughs> Soundtrack for this is going to be epic. Also, Kroger brand seltzer water. Seltzer water. I'm, I'm not going full LaCroix. I'm not, you know, full of myself. <laughs> 
Oh man, I've never I've never had Lacroix before. Does that like say anything about me? Like, like when someone's like, hey, we, we could Lacroix. I'm like, I don't even know. Like <laughs> the the best explanation of Lacroix I ever heard it was from a tweet, and it said Lacroix is like drinking plain seltzer water, and someone in the other room yells the name of a fruit. And that's what it tastes like. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You're like, strawberry? Eh, I could see it. Right. A whisper of flavor is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's the billboard. A whisper, Almost a ready. whisper of flavor. Water. Right. <laughs> there it is. There it is, man. Hell yeah. This is a hipster, and he called himself from his LaCroix boy. <laughs> It's like soy boy, but worse. Oh God! <laughs> it's soy boy in your thirties. <laughs> so just me? <laughs> Actually, you are Lacroix boy. <laughs> yeah. It's like I know that tattoo. What the fuck? <laughs> That's well, well, thank you for uh, indulging us. Yes, uh, people can buy them. They're at their listing minimum at one hundred dollars. <laughs> there you go. It's a dollar a second. It seems fair. <laughs> Great price. <laughs> a bargain by any any other. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that was awesome. So Leanna, before before we go, uh, I my favorite was Lacroix Boy for sure. Um, I'm gonna see him everywhere uh, next time I drive through Brooklyn. Um, but um, but my question is: so we've been talking about finding your own voice. We've talked about, you know, you coming out of Florida. What's like the ultimate, man? Like, what's the ultimate win for you? Like, where do you land that you're just like, dude, this is it. I've made it. I love everything that's going on. Because we've talked tonight about like not knowing, like right, the, not being able to recognize those things and recognize the small victories. So what's the big one? What's, what's, what's the promised land for you? Where do you want to be? A real answer is like, someone saying hey this book that you did changed my life or you know meant a lot to me like saved me or something like that because that's like kind of originally why i wanted to get into comics in general my joke answer in that because it is san diego comic-con week and rip it's not happening right mm -hmm. there's this joke that i was like oh no that i've been you know comic successful when i get to go on a yacht during san diego because some of the publishers or like actors throw insane like yacht parties during San Diego. I've never seen them. I don't know what they look like. I have no idea, but that's like my joke answer. Um, mm. But in reality, if like a kid came up to my booth and was like, I love your artwork or something. I mean, like one person has already said something very nice to me at Memphis Comic Expo last year to where I started crying at my booth. It was really <laughs> touching, things like that, that, you know, I think I feel very successful as it is, so I guess that's more so my answer. That's cool. And I'm going to figure out how to make the yacht thing a reality. We're going to do a yacht, guys. We're gonna, we should do it. Inevitable yacht party. Right. See, and my goal is no one compliments us, but we all get yachts, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's the jam. Trade compliments for yeah. <laughs> uh, Liana, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, just my Twitter and Instagram and website which is at Liana Kingis. And I also have a Patreon for those interested. You can see work in progress updates for my other work. Um, you can be drawn into a comic. You can have many things, including snail mail sent to you every month 
on my Patreon, which is also Liana Kangas. Sick. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Love you, Liana. You get to see your artwork soon. Yay. I'm really Inevitables. excited. Woo. <laughs>